listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator. I'm all about capturing and curating career and life stories as a meaningful way to celebrate a milestone moment like a big old birthday, anniversary, retirement, or graduation. And I'm at my best when curating photo books that move your memories from the basement or your phone or your computer to the coffee table, giving you and your family and friends access to these treasured memories for years to come. I also love curating and capturing life and career stories through this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? It's a series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone, that everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Today, I'm very excited to be interviewing Tracy Graff. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, thank you for having me here, Kathy. I'm excited. And Tracy is the CEO of Fuse Igniting Communication. And we went, we met through the Wise Woman organization. So we've just gotten to know each other, but we were part of a retreat. Uh, gosh, that was back in April. And it was so fun, you know, learning about each other. And it's like, this is, this would be a great fit. To, so I'd really like to get her story out there. We're going to pause for a moment to hear from a very happy Life Story Curator client. My name is Eleanor Allen, and I recently finished a project with Kathy about my mother's life story. And the reason I wanted to do her life story was that she's first 91 years old. And second, we've been talking about it for years as a family. I have four brothers and many nieces and nephews, and we had never gotten around to making the book. Then one day I was out with another friend who is a mutual friend of um, of mine and Kathy's, and she showed me the book that Kathy had made about her parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And I thought right then and there, this is the answer. I gotta hire Kathy to get this life story finally done for my mother. So I did. And working with Kathy is just a joy and a pleasure. So first, how do you organize somebody's 90 plus years into a story that's succinct, but also very interesting? And Kathy helped guide myself and my niece and one of my brothers, I have four brothers, one of them worked on this project with us intensely into the, the uh, storyboarding process and then working into, okay, these are the chapters of her life we're gonna work on, which we went by decade. And then for each decade of her life, what do we need? We need this many pictures and this many um, vignettes. And then Kathy also brought in this great idea to put in QR codes of recordings. I hadn't even thought of that, but we did several of those. Some are my mother's um, audio recordings. We captured some of those audio files. Some are video recordings of her telling stories of her life that we have in the book, but of course, much more detail when we have the recording. And some QR codes are also documents. So we put a link to my father's autobiography that he had written for us before he passed as well. And my grandfather's autobiography that my father had done uh, interviewing my grandfather. So very special and those come to life as well in the book. So I encourage you, if you have any inclination of documenting someone's life story in your life, definitely go for it. It's worth the work and the, the product, in this case, my mother's story is absolutely wonderful. And she was over the moon with joy. So don't wait, do it. Document the life of your loved ones or whatever special occasion there is and work with Kathy and you will have a wonderful experience. Tracy, before we get into how did I get here for you, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where you are in the birth order in your family and how you think both of those things shaped you as a person? Mm, yeah, so uh, the first one is a much longer explanation than the second. So uh, actually, I think I'll probably just start with the second one about the birth order, and then I'll go into the where I grew up. So um, the birth order is just it's just my sister and I, and my sister's four and a half years older than me. Um, it was uh, it, it it impacted me in the way that until I was about thirteen, she was always the boss. You know, she always got to sit in the front seat, and I always had to sit in the back. And she was always better at sports and you know whatever those kind of things. 
Um, but then when I was 13, she went off to college and my parents uh, got separated and are divorced. And so my mom and I kind of grew up together because my parents had been married for over 20 years. And my mom kind of was starting her kind of dating life at the same time I was and whatnot. Um, not that I was dating at 13, but you know, shortly oh, yeah, yeah. right away either. Uh, so I think um, my mom and I kind of growing up together uh, in that way allowed me some really strong leadership skills from pretty early on because my I was I kind of became the family counselor. My sister was away at college. My dad and I would have three hour long talks, <laughs> um, and then um, same thing with my mom. So yeah, I think that that probably says enough about birth order. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. I, I love this birth order question because there's so many family dynamics that really impact us as young people, right? And so, yeah. like you were saying, for for most of your you know for 13 years, you're kind of in the back seat. And then all of a sudden it's just you and your parents and yet they're divorced. And then they're going through some pretty difficult times, right. As adult. And then you're like, well, geez, I get, what is this? <laughs> and now they're kind of bringing you into those conversations. Yeah. Wow. And my sister off at college, it was like, well, I guess I'm going to take this leadership role. And I, so I learned how to start cooking. Not my mom's a wonderful person and she's took care of me so well, but you know, I was like, well, I want to eat some other things. And so kind of learned how to cook and things like that. <laughs> so yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, when I think about some of the breakups in my world, that yeah, I was tended to not eat, right? And I remember there was a phase where I went through Eggo waffles, and oh. um, you know, it was just whatever's easiest, you know. And there was also a weird job in there, but yeah, isn't it funny? But I didn't have a kiddo, but here uh, you are going. Wait, I'm a the opposite. I'm a I'm a stress eater, so I oh. eat more when I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, and then so back back to your other question. The okay. first one was uh, where did I grow up? So that's that's a harder one to answer. Actually, it's usually pretty easy for people, but we moved a lot as um, through my childhood. So I lived in 15 different houses by the time that I was 13. My dad was in uh, different sales jobs and kind of always taking the next role in the next city. So. Um, my sister went to eight different grade schools. I fortunately uh, didn't have to go to as many different grade schools, but uh, so we um, we were you know, kind of mostly the Midwest. Most of our family is in Missouri, um, Kansas, that, that kind of area. We lived there. Then we got a little stint in Florida and oh boy, I love that. We had a pool in our backyard for a, a few uh, three years. And then uh, we moved back to the Midwest and to some different areas. And so um, I, I kind of say St. Louis is home. That's where my mom still is. And, uh, and then my sister has been in the Chicago area for a long time. So kind of St. Louis and Chicago. And I lived in a lot of different places as an adult, also Chicago, Minneapolis, North Carolina, um, and then ended in Denver. 13 and a half years ago and found out this is the place I want to stay. I love everything about Colorado and don't, don't want to move again if I don't have to. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of starting over. Yeah. yeah it, mm -hmm. it really actually, that also really shaped who I was though. Of course, as you probably could imagine, it really made me open to new ideas. I love meeting new people. I love having conversations with people about what's different about their life than mine, because it was really nice to see while lots of things are, you know, uh, homogenous across the country, there's a lot of things that are different and different places across the country too. You know, living in Evansville, Indiana was very different than Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Let me tell you this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cause I, when I think about, we were pretty stable in one school. So then when we did move uh, my junior year in high school, it was pretty traumatic, right? Well, how do you meet friends? How do you become the new kid? Mm. And what, what does that look like uh, mm -hmm. to be the new kid and, you know, open to new people, meeting new people? I think we were very sheltered because I grew up in a small town. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, I got to say, I love these questions because it really, you know, I know I've met you, you know, we've talked in a variety of you know, deep conversations, but now it's like, oh, this really explains a lot. <laughs> I, think, I think it also explains, I didn't ever really think about it, but that's probably why um, on my wall, I have this sign that says uh, life begins. I don't know if it'll focus. Oh, it won't. Um, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. You know, I love that uh, getting out of your comfort zone really helps, uh, in my opinion, to have better experiences in life. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you kind of embrace the meeting new people, not 
uh, resented it because, you know, as a, as a young person, it could be easy to be like, oh, we're moving again. I just made friends and what are you doing and all that. But yeah, you're like, whoa, it's a new adventure. I mean, it is how it's kind of presented to you by your parents too. Right? Oh, let me tell you, it was, it felt rough at the time. I remember when I, we were in fifth grade having to move from Florida to St. Louis and I thought it was the end of my world. I remember crying the whole car ride up St. Louis and thinking my, you know, fifth grade boyfriend was going to be the love of my life that I was leaving behind. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it feels really rough at that time. And I know that's what a lot about this podcast is about is overcoming those challenges that at the time I thought it was the worst thing ever. But now that I look back, I realize how much it helped me grow, expand, be open to those new ideas. I love international travel now. I love going and, you know, meeting new people and understanding new cultures and not just staying in a hotel or a tour bus, but really getting in and volunteering and things like that. And I think, you know, those are the things I probably would not have embraced as much if I had always stayed in the same place as a kid. Yeah, yeah, because you were definitely pushed out of your comfort zone early on and then then you're comfortable being uncomfortable and that's a whole different uh, approach to things wow very cool mm -hmm. okay well shifting gears a little bit are you an introvert an extrovert or an ambivert so I am highly extroverted and I know this um, very much so because I lead insights discovery workshops where that's a lot about it incorporates your um if you're introverted, extroverted, if you use a thinking process to make decisions or feeling like using your heart or gut, um, and then also how you perceive things through like a storytelling lens or through more like a fact-based fact lens. So yeah, I um, am highly extroverted and I think that's part of why I lead a communication skills company is because I, I like communicating. <laughs> yeah, okay, very cool, very cool. On the uh, fun meter, Scale of one to five, one being a couch potato and five being the life of the party. Where do you put yourself? Uh, well, so I'm not, a, I'm a zero of couch potato. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily fun, but I'm always doing something. My mother-in-law says I have a egg beater up my butt. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I just constantly going, I, I can't sit, I, I can't sit still. Um, so um, but yeah, so I, I very much, very social, love to be with time with my friends and family and whatnot. And so I hope I am fun for the people I'm around, but I know I'm getting to have fun with when I'm with others. <laughs> when you're with others. Okay. Somewhat like the Energizer Bunny, huh? They yeah. are always going and going and going. And <laughs> Okay. On the risk meter scale of one to five, one being low risk taker, five high risk taker, where do you put yourself? I think I used to be about five, hence why I've got the life begins at the end of your comfort zone sign on my wall and hence why I love new experiences. I will say, I think COVID made me probably be a little bit less though. It kind of made me enjoy the comforts of, of home more. I appreciated not always leaving home to have some new experience. So I'm probably only like a three and a half now or something like that. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking you were going to be high on that with your, um, you know, our discussion about being on, you know, being so comfortable, being uncomfortable that, you know, there's a lot of times what it takes to take risks, right? Is that you have to be like, well, no, let's step into this, but. Yeah. And I think also since I've been in Denver so long now, you know, 13 and a half years in the same place, I mean, different houses, but the same city has made me uh, a little bit more risk adverse maybe because I'm like, wow, what, what could possibly be better than this? I don't want to, yeah. don't want to leave it versus before I'd say, well, who cares about this risk of taking a new job in a new city or who cares about, you know, uh, relocating for some of the reason or, um, but I, I think I still feel risky in especially international travel senses that I, I still want to go everywhere in the world and um, don't, don't have a um, inhibition about that. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> totally get it. Okay, cool. Well, Let's talk a little bit about what it means to be the CEO of Fuse Igniting Communication, and then we'll get into the, how did I get here? Okay. So uh, with Fuse Igniting Communication, we deliver engaging workshops. Engaging is a key focus here. It's not like a death by PowerPoint type of workshop, right? It's very 
um, interactive. And our workshops are really focused on helping to strengthen the communication skills of our clients in the three different areas of team collaboration, transformational leadership, and partnership development. So I love the fact that I get to get out and facilitate these workshops myself and really connect one-to-one -one with our participants. But then I also have a team of facilitators that are also out delivering them so that we can get our awesome workshops out to other people. And that's been a, kind of a consistent theme of my career for, hmm, gosh, probably over 15 years is enjoying leading people to help them be the best at what they do also. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And communication, so important, right? We think we're communicating. We're all using some of the same words, but then it's like, oh, I have different meaning for that. <laughs> I've made that mean something else, even though there's a common definition. Or a different perspective on it. You might be, have the same definition, but the definition feels different to one person than another, right? Some people have different history, different experiences with that word or that situation. And you, we don't understand what everybody else has been through up until the moment that we're there together. So. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Very cool. Okay, well, Tracy, tell us then kind of how you got started on this. So we're going to take you back to junior high, high school when you were a young person just starting out. Did you always want to be the CEO of your own company and that communication was kind of your thing? No. Um, so high school, uh, I did love to be in charge. I will say that I was the president of, of the student count, the student council, you know, so got, to, <laughs> I loved organizing events and things like that. Um, then in college, I uh, took an internship. I, I went to St. Mary's College in South Bend, Indiana, which is associated with the University of Notre Dame. So I did an internship with the Notre Dame Public Relations Office, and I think that's probably kind of what got me started. Um, I had chosen I had chosen communications as my major only because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I thought that was a really hard decision to make. Uh -huh. when you're 18 or 19 and you're having to declare your major. Oh gosh, I. So communications to me sounded like. The world was my oyster. I could do whatever I wanted to with that. And so that's how I got into communications. And then that public relations internship led me into my first job out of college was with a public relations firm in Chicago called Ruder Finn. Um, I was very fortunate that the way I got that job was through one of our communications professors at my college I was really good at connecting people. So he would, uh, alums would send job openings to him. This was before LinkedIn, right? Or, or Indeed or any of those job listing sites. So people would send him job openings and he would email them out to all of the recent grads if we were interested. And so I got my first boss was uh, Rose Majeski, who was also a, a recent graduate of St. Mary's. And I don't think that's the only reason she hired me. I, I hope I had other, <laughs> other qualifications, but um, so I started in public relations um, right in downtown Chicago, looking over the Lake Michigan. So that oh, was where wow, I that sounds kind of glamorous. As a first <laughs> yeah. job, you know, being in an urban community like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. and it was one of the small world things. My sister actually happened to be put, uh, stationed for her consulting role that she was in then in a corporate apartment one block away from where my job was. And I mean, so I got to live for free in downtown Chicago as my sister's roommate. We had to share a bed, <laughs> share a bed because she only had a one bedroom, but um, got to, for the first nine months I was in Chicago, got to live with my sister and be one block away from work. And Chicago's a big city. So the small world of that that happened to work out that way was pretty nice. Yeah, so. well, and it's saving you probably a lot of money on not only on rent, but you probably, did you have a car? You maybe, maybe you didn't yeah, have a car, didn't right? Cause you could car. walk. Yeah, exactly. So it, I was very fortunate with that starting of um, the connection. And, you know, that goes back to connections which you'll probably hear me mention a lot. The power of connection is one of my, highest values and why I love being involved with our workshops with Fuse that we get to help people connect better. 
And I think that's where I started appreciating it was when my college professor did that connecting for us of other alums that had jobs that were open. And then my sister helping me connect me with, you know, the resources to be able to um, live in a, an expensive city like that on a, I think I was making, I was making less than $25,000 a year then. And um, my, my next roommate after that, she was in law school and she was making $25,000 a summer as her law internship. And I was like, wow, I'm only making $25,000 a year. Oh, that's a little, yep. that stings yeah. a little, right? And yeah. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> but it lights a fire, right? You're like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to figure this out. I'm just getting started, right? So, um, but that's great that you had those connections and that you kind of paid attention to that. You know, sometimes people help you out and you're, you're not quite sure um, how that works, maybe going forward or how you can leverage that going forward. But if you really learn the value of that, then you're like, oh, how can I leverage yeah. other people? Yeah, networking is so important. You know, I think it's so good to have a a two-way street with that, you know, not only taking people's opportunities, but also giving. And so I've tried to do the same back because I was actually, even my second job was even um, a very similar connection. It was also um, through that same professor that let, let me know about a job and another uh, St. Mary's alumni was offering, uh, not offering, she was uh, letting us know about a job. She was, she was not my boss, but she was my coworker at Feld Entertainment, which produced, uh, produces Disney on Ice and Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus and some other shows. And so I appreciated that connection again of that I got to get that job because somebody let me know in my network. And then I've tried to do the same then for others, you know, pass that along and let people know when I could help them also. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, do, it does feel great. I got to tell you, it seems like I want to help more than I need help a lot of times, especially there's certain points in your career where you're in the needing help. And there are just a lot, there's probably more points in your career where you can help than mm -hmm. you're in need. So yeah, put yeah. all those credits, so to speak in the bank, right. On helping others. So that when it's <laughs> for, the, for the debit, so to speak, or the ask that it's like, oh yeah, well, I've already kind of helped a lot of people and that's my nature. So well, yeah. very cool. Okay. So you get your second job then. And it sounds like, and that's a, that's kind of in the entertainment space then. And uh, it's family entertainment. Yeah. But it was a it was a marketing role. So I moved from public relations into marketing. So, so my three real phases of my career, which are all communications focused was the public relations that I already mentioned marketing. And then I moved into the training role I'm in now. So uh, we talked about public relations and now with marketing, I ended up spending uh, 16 years of my career in that marketing phase and 10 of those years were with Feld Entertainment and yeah I just I, I loved it it was so amazing to get to bring the joy of things like Mickey Mouse to families live in their hometown you know or uh, when Ringling Brothers Barnum Billy Circus was still around it's um, currently on hiatus I hear they might be coming back in a couple of years without animals but um, you know also just people getting to see real life people up on a high wire doing real risky things without special effects and that kind of thing. It was such an amazing job. And I traveled a ton for that also. At one point I had, I think 22 different markets around the US. So I got to, again, you know, fulfill my joy of getting to meet new people across the country and have tried to keep some connections in most cities. And, um, you know, I got to live in lots of different places also for that role. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, what a fun job too, though, because you're marketing something fun, right? Mm -hmm. In entertainment. I, you know, there was a point in my career, I kind of was um, not very excited about the products that I was working on. They were, you know, money orders, bank official checks, uh, so that's not very exciting and fun, right? But to be, you know, so, but still they're an important part of life. And, you know, when you start looking at, um, uh, you know, how do you enable commerce and looking at the purpose behind things, then you can get a little bit more connected to it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah but your entertainment, that would be also, it would be fun. And it would be then you're, you're you know, you're working with families and you get to see the joy of it. So. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is the glass half full or glass half empty type of thing. Um, I certainly was easy to see the glass half full when I was you know, marketing such a wonderful experience. And, and I, but I said, 
I'm glad I'm not marketing vacuum cleaners. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, I think I could find the passion in that because I could be helping people to, you know, more efficiently have a nice clean house and feel comfortable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, it, it depends on what we're doing. But, uh, but then I was very fortunate that I then got to do marketing for Vail Resorts, which um, their tagline is, you know, an experience of a lifetime. And I know that can be debated by some people, depending on which ski resort you go to. But I, I was, I was very personal and am currently very personally passionate about skiing. And so I just love that feeling of flying down the mountain and, you know, being free. And um, I've, I've never been that athletic, but, but snow skiing is something that I really enjoy. And so I loved getting to bring that to people. Um, when I worked for Vail Resorts, I was a marketing director there and I oversaw their first division of what they called the urban ski areas, which were small ski hills in the Midwest. So um, outside of Minneapolis, Detroit, and Chicago. So back to my roots, I got to go back to the Midwest and bring the epic adventures of uh, Vail Resorts to those communities with these little ski hills that they had there. And then of course, get them on that season pass to get them to come out to our big mountains out here in Colorado or Utah or Canada, et cetera. And uh, gosh, I just loved that job also. Just what a wonderful opportunity to bring that experience to so many people. Well, awesome. Well, I'm, this is so cool that you love these jobs and everything. Did, did you ever reach a point though, where you got a little felt stuck or maybe yes. you, know, you were like, okay, I love, I love the company, but maybe the job now, or is the job is getting more tedious or I need a new challenge. So what were some of your challenges yes. that you faced in that, in that realm? Yeah. So when I'm going to sound like I'm probably much older than I am when I say this, but when I started in marketing, it was much more about relationship based. It was <clears throat> um, more talking to people. We did a lot of things like group sales where you'd go into a company and you'd talk about the Disney on Ice show coming and selling tickets to you know all their employees or talking with um, moms and understanding what their market, what their preferences were. So we knew how to market to them better. I, I worked with mom bloggers once that that was a new thing, you know, halfway into my marketing career was mom bloggers <laughs> and got to develop relationships with them. And I loved that part of marketing. You know, I loved the relationship part of it. Well, then later, as we probably all know, marketing started becoming very digital, sitting behind my computer doing, you know, social media things and that kind of stuff. And it just, I lost that connection with it. I lost the passion for it. So, yeah, yeah, totally. That can happen, right? It, a lot of um, technology changes a lot of things, right? And how we work, especially with the, all the social media and um, yeah. Yeah. And so that's when I thought, you know, I don't know what I want to do. And so I guess this goes back to your first question you asked me about if I thought I wanted to be the CEO of my own company. Um, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be in charge, but I didn't, didn't ever think it would be of my own company. And then as I kept gaining more and more marketing experience, people kept saying to me, well, why don't you start your own, you know, your own marketing consultancy? Why don't you go out, be an entrepreneur? And that, oh, that just sounded terrible to me. Oh, I don't want to do that at all. Well, I realized later it was because I was not passionate about marketing anymore. I was, you know, I, I just didn't want to do marketing, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So um, again, just a wonderful, fortunate situation that I am so appreciative of is that um, I actually failed miserably and it turned into a wonderful situation. So I guess I'll, I'll tell you about that failure. Um, so this was the first time I was going to get to do a presentation to Rob Katz, who was, who was our CEO at Vail Resorts. Um, my boss was Kirsten Lynch, who's now the CEO of Vail Resorts. And I took my presentation to Kirsten um, before I was supposed to present it to Rob. And she just told me it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> she told me it was, it was, so Feld Entertainment's marketing plans were very different than Vail Resort's plans. And she wanted it to be, which rightly so, more compelling, more of a story, more um, passionate and not just facts and figures and numbers and whatnot. So she said to me, um, 
I know this course that you need to take. It's called Think on Your Feet. And she said, I took this 15 years prior when I was you know, younger in my career. And I really feel like it helped me propel me to my C-level position because it helped me tell a story in a more logical way, in a way that was more persuasive to engage my audience. So she asked me to take this course, Think on Your Feet. And fortunately, I was able to bring a facilitator into our office and all of us marketing directors and VPs took the course together. And we loved it, loved it so much. Um, it focuses on how to be more clear, brief, and impactful. And so Kirsten said, well, why don't you get accredited in this course? And now you can start teaching all of our 300 marketing members. This is like a side, you know, your side leadership project. Um, oh, I should say, because after I took the course, I gave my marketing presentation to not only Rob, but the other C-level executives. And one of them came up to me, uh, who was the COO at the time, and said, this is the best marketing plan I have ever seen. And this is the best presentation. Uh, and mine was the smallest ski resorts at the time. They were these little Midwest ski hills. And there's these you know, other coworkers who have really big resorts. And he said, you did such a fabulous job. And Kirsten felt like it was probably because I took this think on your feet workshop and I learned how to do better. So, so yeah, so I took that on as my side gig of teaching this think on your feet workshop to all of our coworkers and flying over to all the different resorts that we had in, um, in the Tahoe area and Utah and um, all over Colorado and um, fell in love with it. And that's when I was like, wow, this is what I want to do is lead these communication skills workshops. Oh. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I know sometimes it's hard to share the part where you get that hard feedback and you're like, that's not what I was expecting or wanted. And, you know, you knew yeah. you're going to get maybe some feedback, but you didn't expect that. Right. And then, oh, and then, oh, by the way, now you need to take a class mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, Right. You know, I told so you the can... story in a few minutes, but let me tell you, it was, it was a year and a half process of what yeah. I just explained. But then yeah. when you, when you saw the impact of it and how valuable it was, and then it just lit you up, it well ignited you. Right. And obviously yeah. that's kind of where you're going next. So that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's what happened was that, you know, I definitely had a major failure and I, found this great opportunity through it. So when um, a woman named Susan Lynn, who's one of my um, mentors, she was the person that was accrediting me to teach this Think on Your Feet workshop. And she came to you know teach me how to do this. And I said, how can I be you? I want to be you. I want to, you know, I don't want to be here in the corporate world and the same. I want to be out doing what you're doing, where you get to go to different companies and you get to help different people. And teach them these communication skills. And so, um, you know, that's kind of where that launched from, that that moved me into that third and probably final phase of my career, which is the training world that I'm in now. So. Yeah, yeah, wow. Isn't that cool when you see something or see someone in a position? Um, I remember seeing someone on stage one time, and I'm like, oh, I wanna do that. I wanna be there one day. Or I'm going to be there one day, maybe is what I was saying in my head. And I didn't really make it as impactful as a declaration. But yeah, mm. if you can, you know, that whole saying about if you can see it, you can be it. Mm. And um, until you saw some of that, you didn't really get how powerful it could be. And then, you know, so you take the class, it's helping you, you're having great success with it. But then you see her and then you're like, oh, wait, this is even more exciting. This is where I want to go. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So when did you decide, okay, now I want to be my own, I want to be a CEO? Because it, it is tough. I had to tell you, I was in corporate and saw my younger sister who was entrepreneur. And I'm like, I don't have that. I fit really well in corporate. I can navigate. I understand the days off and the titles and the levels and the politics and, and, um, and selling. And I'm, I'm not in sales, but I was right behind sales and supporting sales. So um, I knew I didn't want to be a salesperson because <laughs> I saw how hard it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it really just kind of happened gradually with the fact that I said, okay, I've got this think on your feet accreditation and I, I want to do that, but that's not enough money because it was a contract position where um, I, I will say that, that that is a piece of advice I would give to people that do want to start some type of entrepreneurship is know you have at least 
some source of customers coming in. And since mm-hmm. Think Your Feet's been around for 35 years, they have all these great customers that they would contract me out to facilitate their workshops. And I didn't have to go in as a new person and say, hey, here I am. I have no client base, but you should trust me to give me your thousands of dollars or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. you want to hire me, right? You want to hire right, me. Right, right. So I was very fortunate that they gave me, you know, some 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 contract work that I could go deliver these workshops, but it wasn't enough to be sustaining. And so I then started gaining other accreditations. And so I reflected back on Vail Resorts had a ton of different leadership opportunities there. And I thought, what what tools were we using there that I really enjoyed? And that's where that insights discovery came in that I mentioned earlier about the communication styles. And I, so now my new mentor that I I gained um, is a woman named Carol Pfeiffer, who had been an insights discovery uh, facilitator and executive coach for a few years at that point. And she took me under her umbrella and got me accredited to teach that. And then with that, it, it opens up a whole new box of tools because with insights, we use it for team collaboration. We use it for leadership development. Um, it really helps with sales development because it helps you to know how to connect better with your potential customers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so, Um, I gained that insights accreditation. Then I was fortunate. Uh, My third kind of section of tools in our communication workshop box (laughs) is I got introduced to a wonderful woman named Trish Thurley in the UK who has these workshops that use AI to simulate um, multiple months of a workplace experience in the matter of a few hours of training. So she accredited me in, and now I'm the Fuse is the exclusive distributor of these four different workshops where it's very hands-on learning and it's a gamified experience. So people can't be multitasking. They're really focused on this competition against other teams and they gain these multiple months of experience in this quick training time. And so I've just been very fortunate to add all of these to um, the Fuse repertoire. (laughs) And we now have such a wide variety that we can help so many different people. Wow, wow. So it sounds like you just continue to look at what are those, um, those learnings that were impactful for you? And then how do you take that to the next step to become certified in those? Uh, which has got to just give you energy too, because if you already liked how it impacted you and made you successful, then you get to dive deeper into it and then share that with others. So it just seems yeah. like you're on fire. <laughs> yeah. And then to uh, get other people accredited in it. So that's where we are now with um, both insights and the simulation workshops is accrediting other facilitators so that they can bring it to their audiences also, because, you know, as I mentioned before, connections are so important to me. So to help me connect with others and then help them connect with their uh, their client base, whether that means that they're an internal trainer at their organization and they just want to help their teams collaborate more. I shouldn't say just, but if, if they want to do that, um, or if they're an independent consultant and they want to help their clients to be better leaders or a stronger team or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, Tracy, this has been very, very exciting uh, to hear about how, where you're at and how you got to where you are today. So um, any, any other struggles though, as you've, is, you know, I can tell you're lit up about all these things, but there's still probably some steps in there about, well, how do you get new clients? And, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, have you had any other setbacks that uh, you had to transition out of and get yourself out of? And how did you do that? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that there's, a struggle every day, right? We all encounter different things. I I am a very glass half full type of person though. So I do really believe in that fail forward type of men- mentality. I think maybe that experience that I had where I did so um, terrible on my, on my marketing plan really made me realize that there's always a silver lining you can find in a cloud. And so um, I'm trying to think, but, you know, I try not to reflect too hard on the negative of each 
wrong step that I take or each time I fail and I focus on how can I learn from this and um, you know not make that same mistake or to um, make things better. So um, just trying to think if there's anything specifically I could yeah. Well, it sounds like you don't really look at um, challenges as failures or um, you know, you just kind of look at it since it's glass half full, it's like, well, what can I learn from this and what can I do next? Or what can I do with this now? Right. Um, yeah. Um, does this lead to a new learning or a new certification? And, you know, so you looked at, um, you know, the one program, you know, helped you, but then what else? And then what else? And it sounds like you're kind of that lifelong learner that you're just mm -hmm. looking for, you know, well, what are those things that make you more impactful and more tools in the toolkit, huh? Yeah, and I think exactly that about being the lifelong learner is learning from any experience you have and making, you know, lem lemonade out of lemons or whatnot. I think that that's really what I find has been so valuable for me. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I fail every day. I, I, I fail to accomplish everything that I want to do every day. I'll tell you, that I'm a, I put so much on my to-do list and I always have to move things the next day. And so I always feel like a failure at the end of the day. And then the next morning always feels like a bright new start. And <laughs> so, no. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, I did accomplish a lot yesterday. Yeah. It just, it just wasn't, wasn't these that. other 17 things that I just keep maybe right. realistically putting on my list every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, very cool. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping it up then. I have two closing questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you look back on your career and your life, what do you think served you best? You know, was it a personality trait or a discipline or maybe a worldview or characteristic? What do you think served you best? Um, I think two major things um, my drive. So that everlasting energy that I have, I always want to do not only 100% of what I could do, but 110%. And I think that that's really helped me to accomplish some big things. And then I think the other one would be that positive outlook that we were talking about. I think as long as I don't get too wrapped up in my head about the negative side of things, it allows for more opportunity looking, for, looking at the positive opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So have you, what have you done to kind of on mindset then? Have you done a lot of work with like meditation or, uh, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, I'm just a positive person, but I mean, is there some work you've done in that area? I give my mom full credit for this of that. I feel like it has come naturally to me and I know it does not to a lot of people. I thank my mom all the time for the fact that she seems to be, have a similar mindset that comes naturally to her. And I think I inherited it from her. And so I kind of feel bad giving that as advice to other people because I know it doesn't come as easily, um, but it, it, it does just kind of seem to come naturally. Yeah, I, I've, I have done a lot of yoga and meditation and I think especially the um, world travel part of it, I think especially when I travel and I see other cultures that don't have the same fortunate situations that we have in, or that I have had in my life, it makes me be more and more appreciative every time I get to do that. I have been missing that the past couple of years. I haven't been able to travel through the pandemic and I'm excited to get, get back out in December. My, um, my significant other, his parents and I are getting to take our first trip to South America in uh, December and January. And I am just really fortunate to, again, get out there, realize there's other things out there in the world and be appreciative of what I do have. Yeah. And, and maybe that because you were uncomfortable at a young age, you know, helped you, you know, that your mom helped you stay positive. And then you learned that it wasn't the end of the world. And, yeah. you know, so maybe some of that is part of the development. I can tell you, I have the, I have a very loud or had a very loud critic in head in my head so uh, I kind of struggled with that um, you know even though I was a positive person and somewhat optimistic and glass half full I would say but I still also was pretty hard on myself mm. so I appreciate you sharing it that that doesn't occur for you and that's great because you know I interviewed another um, another person and she said I, I never got the worry gene 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, what is that like? You know, <laughs> you have the worry gene or you have that uh, critic in your head, you know, that's, you know, that's what is occurring for you. So part of the time you don't even know it's not occurring for others or it is occurring for others. And so a big part I think is, uh, and why I like doing this podcast is because we can talk about it, right? And then I get a better sense of, well, so you, that doesn't even occur for you. So you're well, someone I probably need to talk to more about that, about, well, how does life occur then? And so, you know what I, so I can just be like, well, let it go. You know, if you've already well, talked about something, it can go away. So I definitely do have the critic for sure. And I, especially after every workshop, I reflect back on it of how did I do this? Like, how, how was this experience for the participants? Was this as best as it could be? Um, so I definitely have the critic, I, you know, feel like, oh, that was such a great thing. Great workshop. Why, why do I not feel super confident? You know, why am I doubting myself or whatever? Um, but then I think it's just the positive side of reflecting on that and realizing, okay, this is an opportunity to be even better the next time or to have, make it an even better experience. And so I guess that's where I'm saying more my positive comes in of, taking the critique that I do of myself or of my company or of our workshops or whatnot and turning that into an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you get that? I was part of a leadership program once and they talked about your 2% project. How can you just get 2% better? Mm. You're already highly successful leaders, but what would make you that 2% better? And part of it was looking at, you know, blind spots, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you have those, um, but also, you know, what, and, and not getting focused on, you don't have to start over and all that, you know, what I mean? but 2% is, you know, easy to get your head around maybe. And so, yeah, well, and, you know, I'm reflecting back now on thinking also about observing other people also. And I think part of that, um, I know a question you often ask about is mentors that we've had throughout our career. And I think part of that might be where I've gotten that from, because I've had some leaders, um, just say Mike Ferraza, when I worked at Feld Entertainment, he is the most happy, upbeat guy. And he thanked us so much. He was so appreciative. He, I reported to him that he was so appreciative for everything we did. And that really started shaping my outlook early as to how having that positive outlook can make people want to work with you, make people be excited to be working with you, that kind of thing. Um, I think that carried through with um, both Stacey Poole, Nina Cashman, and Kieran Kane, who were all at Vail Resorts with me, where um, I'm I'm actually st- now getting an opportunity to work with Nina some more with um, our Insights product pro- uh, products, as well as Stacey, and they've gone on to other companies. And I just like, oh, I want to be like those people that are so you know, uplifting to their audiences. And then, um, and then also uh, Rebecca Tan, who was my mentor when I worked at Lifetime Fitness, she's the same way, just such a positive spirit. And so I think all of those people started making me want to be like them, you know, back to that. If you can see it, you can be it, but you, you as a, uh, you know, reporting to them or observing them, you, you know, you're feeling how great it is to be around them, right? And you're like, oh, I want to be that kind of leader, right? Versus on, you know, and then we also have those leaders and examples in life, right? Where it's, um, oh, I don't want to be that. And Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, and unfortunately, you know, some of my early bosses were some of that, right? That intimidation, that, you know, not the appreciation, the, you know, the arrogant, the snapping, I'm a, you know, small businessman, genius kind of person. I'm like, oh, I don't, this isn't resonating. You know, that's not who I wanted to be, but that's who I thought, you, well, was this a leader? So did I really want to be a leader? Exactly. Yeah. I had those, uh, those people, those are definitely the glass half empty people. And I purposely did not mention those names. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I do feel like we can learn from the people that we um, have negative in, uh, situations with oh, yeah. us. Well, from, we can learn from everyone, right? And it's what do you take away? So, okay, well, with the last wrap-up question is um, any words of wisdom that really impacted you, maybe when you were stuck or in transition or just that inspired you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so at the time when she said it, I felt it was a little cheesy, um, but uh, Kirsten Lynch, again, back uh, to my Vail Resorts days, always said that she left her world in Chicago um, by thinking about the phrase um, or the 
words of wisdom of leap and the net will appear. And she said that she just leapt out of her Chicago world and came to Colorado and she didn't know what she was going to do. And that's where her Vail Resorts job came that, you know, 10 years later, now she's the CEO of the company. And so she always would talk about leap and the net will appear. Leap, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, but then when I was in that spot where I was stuck and I, I guess that's something else we didn't really reflect as much on but that part where I just felt drained by being a marketing director and I just thought I don't want to do this anymore like that was a real low point right what can I do this isn't what is satisfying to me and so then I did start thinking about hmm, that saying that leap and the net will appear thing and where's where should I leap you know and I started thinking about what am I passionate about I almost, oh, this was another, um, I guess, negative I had with, I almost started a fitness business, um, like a brick and mortar like bar studio or, you know, uh, the bar, the fitness class. Yeah, like studio. the ballet bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. About a year before the pandemic, boy, wouldn't that have been, Ooh. that would have, I would have, ugh, that would have been a big failure because that's what I was passionate about at that time. And I, and, and instead I thought, what, what do I already have a skill set as well? I'm accredited in this think on your feet course, you know, I'm teaching it a little bit here and there. What else should I do? And so I thought, you know, back to that phrase that leap in the net will appear. Okay. I'm going to leap. I know I already have a little bit of a net there. I have like this tiny little net with this think on your feet work. So maybe how can I just make that net bigger? And, and so I think that, that visual of, I have a small net but growing my net and I can't rely on somebody else to put the net out there. I've got to, you know, piece those pieces together. Mm -hmm. And I kind of envision myself tying the rope and putting it together and making the net bigger. And um, I think that goes to not only the net of my courses I got accredited in, but also the net of the network that I love, right? Connections. We, it goes back to connections again. And so I was picturing this net of like the network of people that I could use to support me um, not use, but to, you know, co uh, mutually beneficial support each other. Mm -hmm. And so that's where those mentors came in. And someone like Susan Lynn that I said was the mentor for Think on Your Feet and Carol Pfeiffer that took me in from the insights world and all of that. And so growing that net more and more allowed me to feel comfortable. Um, and I'll say probably to never leap. I just kind of tiptoed and walked onto the <laughs> right but um but just that visual helped me walk a little further out onto that net each each day one step at a time you know yeah yeah what a great story I love how you're like oh it was so cheesy at the time and she probably used it a lot and the, you know but then look at how powerful it has been for you and it's been that th thing that is really kind of put you put you out there in a very big way she was really impactful in your life too it sounds like in terms of that again that that criticism and then a solution for you that led to your whole whole now career and and business so that's that's pretty powerful so awesome well Tracy I could probably talk to you all afternoon but we do have to wrap up at some point so anyway thank you so much for sharing your story today and you never know who needed to hear this so oh, well thank you Kathy and you brought out things for me that I had never even thought of or hadn't thought of in many years so I appreciate your engaging questions that you ask so thank you well awesome well uh, you never know who they could really you can inspire someone today with that whole I'm gonna leap and the net will appear so <laughs> You got to build right. it sometimes. Yep. <laughs> and listeners, if you enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe below and you'll be alerted as other interviews are published. If you have any questions for me or for Tracy, you can find this interview on lifestorycurator.com. That's my website. And I'll also post her social media so you can reach out to her. And on that note, I'll say stay safe, stay well, and let's keep sharing the stories. Have a great day.